um, personal disclosure statement or whatever it is, um, you know, certain conditions may apply. There are no conditions on this, it just says, oh, I don't know, I think somebody doesn't want me to get this message across. And Brendan last week uh, gave a wonderful message on the impact of stealing on society, uh, how it affects us, how it's a, a, a different mindset than most of us have, and gave us some tips on, on how to actually combat that. And I, I want to take a completely different approach this morning. It's not quite left field, but it's getting close. And it's out of a, a revelation I had at Presence Conference and reading up about this and this message, weird that was the word that disappeared there, weird message that came to mind that I'm going to test out on you, I've never preached this anywhere before, um, as is most of my messages, perhaps I'll use a handheld, no Nathan's doesn't work any of the time. Oh, no. You know what they say, the difference between a, a, a faulty watch and a, and a stopped watch is that at least the stopped one is right twice a day. Um, so it's good to have something that either works all the time or not at all. So I want to take us on a slightly different tack this morning. Can, can you come up here for me, Brendan? Can you hold the microphone? I think I've got um, Nathan's disease. I just didn't want to blow my nose in front of everyone. I didn't have enough hands to do it while holding the microphone. So I want us to approach this question of theft from a position of enablement rather than from a victim's perspective. Because if it says you don't steal, obviously people have had things stolen from them. And so I want you to stand up in your seats right now if you've ever had anything taken from you that has left you feeling helpless or violated or frustrated or angry. And I'm not talking here about just possessions. I'm talking about health. could be your physical health, your mental health. It could be your self-confidence. It could be opportunities, jobs, relationships, anything that has been removed from your life and caused trauma. Now, stay standing if you've ever blamed God for it. You can be, I suspect some of you are lying because I've blamed God for stuff. You, you can all be seated now. But it's quite natural when things go wrong, sometimes we get angry with God about it. And I'm a bit surprised most of you weren't willing to admit that you'd ever got angry with God. Or that you blamed him for the things that went wrong in your life. I'm not saying that somebody stole a a, a dinner plate and you sort of thought oh it must have been God he's been coming in here stealing the, the crockery that wasn't, that wasn't the intention but when, when your life is left with things missing from it often we get to the stage where we blame God for the fact that hang on we're supposed to be Christians and God's supposed to be for us and our life is supposed to be from glory to glory and, and have success and our prayers are all answered and somebody's stolen stuff from me where were you God when they were in my kitchen stealing my stuff you know, the only thing weirder than having your house broken into and stuff pinched is when you have your house broken into and they leave stuff. That, that happened to us. 
It's, it was actually quite strange. It happened within a, a month of the time that they broke into our house and took stuff. We came back from a conference in Melbourne to find that somebody had broken into our house and left stuff. Uh, they'd left a bamboo birdcage about so high and hidden it behind our mirror. Nothing was taken. We just came home to find a bird, bird cage behind the mirror. <laughs> you think that's disturbing? You try explaining it to the police. <laughs> Go down the police. Well, I'd like to report a um, a leaving. <laughs> and what did they leave? This. Now explain that again. Well, we came home. Yeah, yeah okay, sure, I'm fine. So. It's interesting that when, when we get angry with God for things that happen to us, we're attributing human, human attributes to God. And if we look in Numbers, in the Old Testament, the book of Numbers I think is one of the first five, Genesis, Exodus, four, and that's book number four out of the first five. And it says, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Now they're rhetorical questions because the answer is no. And so this scripture addresses God's character and ascribes to him a level of integrity beyond our human capabilities. But it actually doesn't categorically state that God doesn't take stuff from us. We might term that stealing. We can, however, take confidence from a scripture again that Brendan used last week, John 10.10. It says, The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And by them, he means us. So God here is separating himself from the thief. He is not the thief, but the thief comes to do three things. He steals, which means he takes things from our lives. He kills, which is stealing our life. And he destroys, which is stealing our confidence and our hope. So the th- all of those three things are stealing. Now who is this, this thief? He's a person we don't often mention. We tend to ignore him a lot because it's not worth talking about a lot of the time. But he obviously has a fairly horrible agenda. He comes to steal, kill and destroy. Now I want want to take this sideways a bit. I want us to look at another scripture here. Matthew 16 verse 18. Now it may seem unrelated but bear with me. It says, I tell you that you are Peter. Now this is, to, to set the scene here, this is Peter, this is Jesus rather and his disciples, one of whom was Peter. And They've been following Jesus around for a bit and they've seen him do miracles. Uh, They've seen him uh, preaching um, very knowledgeably about about the kingdom of God. And suddenly he turns and says, who who do you think I am? Some of them say, well, some say you're Elijah reborn. and, And Peter says, well, you're the Christ, the son of God. And so Jesus responds to that question. It says, 10 out of 10, Peter. And I tell you that you are Peter, which means rock, and on this rock I will build my church. Now he doesn't mean he's going to build it on Peter, because that would be sort of nasty. 
But he means that the revelation that Peter had, that he was Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the revelation that our church is built on, even today. And he says, And the gates of Hades, or hell, will not overcome it, or some translations say, or prevail against it. Now, this is an interesting message, and, and, and I heard this as an offering message at Presence Conference last week, or was it the week before? Time flies. It must be the week before. And during the, the offering message, um, this person used this and said, you know, we are the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he said, it's interesting because very rarely have I heard of people being attacked by a gate. It's not a very common weapon of war. Well, Gov, I was just walking along, this gate just rose up and smacked me on the side of the head. It's, not, it's more like you know, a guy with a sword or, or a gun or, or, or something like that. But here we've got the gates of hell entering into battle. And I thought, well, that's, that's a really weird picture. Because when, it, when you first hear that scripture, I don't know where, where your mind goes, but I get this, this picture of the church, because it's just started here, so you know, there aren't too many members. And there's this thing about the church will, will grow, but the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And to me, that suddenly implies that hell is launching this massive attack on the church, but isn't going to succeed. But we're, I mean, the church is only going to hang on by the skin of its teeth. I've got this picture of Christians fighting left, right and center, praying like stink, chucking holy water on everything that looks ugly. Um, you know, and then this battle for survival that the church sort of comes out of like, whew, gosh. We, we, we just managed to, to close the gates or just escape from the hordes of hell who are chasing us. And Has anybody else had that sort of feeling? It's, it sounds a bit desperate, doesn't it? You know, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. They will nearly prevail, but they won't. And then I thought, well, that's, that's, a really, that's a really stupid way of thinking about it. Because, hey, as I've, I've just said, gates don't feature in war a lot. In fact, I looked to see where gates feature in war and I, I found a really good movie that actually talks about gates, or doesn't talk about it, it shows you in, in vivid detail how gates have a, a place in war. And it's in the Return of the King in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And there's a, there's a scene there where the... No, I haven't, no, sorry. <laughs> You just have who's who's seen the Return of the King, who's seen the extended version. <laughs> there's a, there's a, a scene where the orcs, who are ugly, you've got to admit, uh, are attacking the gates of Minas Tirith, and they get a huge battering ram, and they attack the gate, and guess what happens? It bounces off, and they attack again and again and again, and the battering ram just cannot get through. The gates prevail. The gates prevailed by what? Stopping the attack getting through. The trouble is they weren't finished then. They brought another battering ram called Grond, which had a huge iron wolf's head spouting flame on the, on the front. And when they brought that in, the gates did not prevail. And they burst through. And in fact, it was interesting if you watch the extended edition and the, the commentary with it. They actually built those gates and got people to use a battering ram against it. And the gates were built so well that they couldn't actually get through them. They actually had to stop. The, the people with the battering ram, the actors, were all, all, all exhausted. They'd spent half a day trying to batter this door down for the film crew. 
and they had to go in and weaken the door strategically because they'd actually built it so well that they, they, it could have stood up to a, a real battering ram in, in battle. So gates can be very strong. So that, that, that's, that's a good scene. It's a siege, basically, where the gates are there to keep people out. And so it got me thinking. It says the church is going to be built and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, as I say, a gate is a defensive thing. Whose gates are these? Hell's. So who's attacking? Us. So it says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Where does that mean that the church is going? We're going to hell. (laughs) I thought that's a bit of a radical thing to say. But why not? I mean, we, we as Christians have this namby-pamby attitude that somehow we're a lost sort of island of survivors fighting the wilds and the wilderness out there who are trying to persecute us, keep us down. Sort of we struggle with prayer on a daily basis and hope that God answers and, and we're weak and, and wussy and sort of praying that God will do something in our lives because we're too stuffed to do it ourselves and haven't got the inclination or the encouragement. And There's this whole, Ooh, woe is me. I believe in God, but good grief, if he doesn't come through, I'm stuffed in life. and It's horrible. And yet here we have a church that says, and I love what it says, you, know, you think, why would you go into hell? It's not even a nice place. But a lot of people are there. Let's read the, mas- ma- the massage version. Hmm. The, I like it. The message version of Matthew 16, 18. From the message, it says, I'm going to tell you who you are. You really are. You are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. It doesn't sound too wussy to me. It sounds like actually the power transfer should come from us to those gates and they will not prevail. We are a battering ram of such power and energy that we actually have the right and the authority to burst into hell and actually wreak havoc. It's not like the hell I've always pictured. You know, dim place full of demons and suffering souls and if you go in there, you go in at your own peril because there's bound to be danger and, and, and nasty things happen to you if you head there. And yet here is a scripture which states that the church is being built and the intent of the church is to actually go into hell. Now before you think I've gone mad, I'm not suggesting that we mount an expedition to a physical or even spiritual place called hell and then just barge in. That's a bit silly. But let's get back to the first scripture we looked at where we talked about the thief now the thief is obviously the devil and he comes to kill steal and destroy it doesn't actually say he's allowed to that's just what he does if he comes and so what i'm thinking is if he's a thief and he's, and who knows that he's actually stolen things? People are losing things in their life that they deserve to have. 
And I thought, what does a thief do with his loot? A, a Steve? Sorry, I need more sleep, obviously. What does a thief do with his loot? Apart from, as Brendan said last week, puts it over his shoulder in a, in a sack and carries it off. He stashes it away. Where is this thief going to stash his loot? Right. We need to go and get it. We are not victims of a thief. We have been given permission to bust down the doors. You know, we're, we're, what are those uh, things, Star Force officers? The SWAT team. That's who we are. We've been given one of those things that, you know, you bang against the door and it explodes and it splinters in and all of that, to go in and take stuff. And it's not, again, I'm not advocating that we, we develop a doctrine of demons and go start praying for the, in the pits of hell and, and stuff like that. It's not what I'm talking about. But the thing is, we need to recognize that God has given us a power. He has put his church together to reign and rule, not to cower and quiver. And that even hell, where we, most of us would think, well, that's a place, I do not even want to go there. And we're not, don't get me wrong. But I know there are people here in this building who are living in their own private hell right now. They have had things stolen from them that they have not recovered their confidence from. They've had things, you know, opportunities, even job opportunities, that because of circumstances or something that's robbed them, don't have the confidence to apply again. Their self-worth has dropped to a place where they don't think they're worth doing that anymore. There are people here who've had their health robbed from them. It can be their physical health or their mental health or their emotional health. Then they're struggling with the effects of that theft right now. And God is saying, well, that's, that's where we need to go. We need to go into the private hell that some people are living in and release them from that. Because that's our job as a church. Not to just say, well, well, I might pray for you if it's all right and we'll see what happens. No, we're there to go in and restore what has been stolen. Now, that's not something you do over... That's not like, um, okay, I, I restore thee. You know, Mike says, oh, I feel better now. <laughs> it's a question of being in people's lives, giving them support, helping them with things, being there to share the burden. Now, can I, can I have the music team up here? Gonna, this, is, this is where we get interactive this morning. I want us to actually act a bit like the church. Actually, no. I want us to act a lot like the church. Now, because the music team, can we all stand? Now, I, I know you've got possessions and things in your seats, but can, can I be fairly assured that nobody's going to steal anything after the message this morning? So can I get everybody to come up and just fill up the, the front rows? Fill in, all, fill in all the seats. And you can, you can sit on them. It's good. Sit, sit down. need to be honest with yourselves you need to understand that this is a place where help is available where power is available where love is available compassion but who knows i mean 
one thing they tell you in counselling when you, when you counsel somebody. You can only counsel people effectively if they've told you what's wrong. One of Pastor Vicky's favourite sayings is when people come with problems, the issue is never the issue. And so we need to be honest this morning. I want to ask you, if you are in hell right now, that you've been robbed of a relationship, you've been robbed of your physical health or your mental health, it might have been robbed of an investment, whatever it is that's put a barrier in your life that you are struggling to overcome, I want you to stand to your feet. Be honest. Because God's power is here right now to help you. Now, right now, I'm only one person. I can only do one thing. The thing I can do is pray for you. So I want you to take another step of faith. If you were standing up right now, I want you to come and line up on this altar. Now, if you're sitting down... you're sitting down I want you to stand up and I want you to come up and line up behind these people if, if you know them well enough you can perhaps place a hand on their shoulder because I'm not the church we're the church the power doesn't reside in me resides in us and it relies on us actually believing that we can do something with the power of God it may be just speaking into somebody's life it may be able to provide assistance physical mental financial just encouragement just an ear for people to talk to but we actually have to stand up and believe we have the power to change something conversations can change people's lives just being a friend to listen can have an enormous impact. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to put God's love into action. So as the band, band is going to be going to sing, there's power in the name of Jesus. I just want you guys just to begin to pray for everybody here. All I'm going to do is just walk, walk past and lay hands on people to impart not my power, not my personality, but just the power believe if you're up here that that is the beginning it's not the be all and the end all a touch of my hand isn't going to cure you of anything but I believe that I can transfer God's power into your life if you're prepared to take it and then walk with it in his power in Jesus name
God is a bit like a battery. I can give you a battery and say, here, this is the power of God. But unless you actually find something to plug it into, the battery doesn't do anything. Unless there's a light or a motor or, or something. And that's what we've got to do. We've actually got to take what we've been given and apply it in life. It might be just a question of, uh, of speaking to the person who's stolen something. Sometimes that works. Uh, if they've actually stolen something that's physically dangerous to you, go and speak to them, don't. It may be a question of seeking out support from somebody. It may be confessing something to someone you trust. But we've actually got to take action. What we've done this morning is just the doorway. We've just opened a doorway into something different, something new. Now, having done that, if while I've, I've got people standing here, and it's good to know that we're all among friends, just before I finish the service, I want to give people an opportunity. Can you all just close your eyes, bow your head so that nobody's looking around? But if, if you've thought that the idea of having the power to actually break down the gates of hell and go there to rescue people, to rescue people from their own private nightmares, to, to actually make people's lives different. But you're thinking, well, do I have to sign up for this? Do I have to acknowledge something before I can be a part of this plan? And the answer is yes. But the good news is it's actually very simple. Because the general of our army is Jesus Christ. And to be a part of that army, all he says is you need to accept me and actually be able to state that I am a soldier in the army of Christ. I am a child of God. And making that statement gives you entry into that army. Now, while every eye is closed and head bowed, if you're here today and you've actually never said, well, okay, I'm a Christian, I follow God, I have God in my life, and you want to do that this morning, you want to say, okay, I want to take that step, I want to join that army, I want to join that family, I want to acknowledge Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Saviour, then while every eye is closed, if you just pop your hand up so that I can see it, I'll acknowledge it and we can pray a prayer while we're standing here among friends to accept Jesus Christ as your Saviour and General. Thank you, I see that. Anybody else? I see that. Thank you. Okay. If you can open your eyes, look at me. Let's all pray together because it's good to remind ourselves what we stand for. So I want you to repeat after me. Lord Jesus Christ, I accept you as my general, as my father, as my saviour. I reject my old life and I accept a new life with you in charge. I thank you that you forgive me of all my sins and that you consider me son or a daughter of Jesus and his father. Amen. Well done guys. You've proven to be not only a good looking army but a very powerful one. Take that away with you this week. Find something. The thing that I learned very early on is that Christianity is not a solo journey. 
you know, I, I, re- I like to read history books and there was all these books I read about monks and hermits who spent their days on hilltops alone seeking God and not, not mixing with the rabble because it, it, it um, contaminated them if they mixed with ordinary people. And yet Jesus Christ spent his, his time having dinner with prostitutes, tax collectors, adulterers, sinners of all sorts. And so we need to make sure that we gather round together. Not that I'm accusing you of any of those things. Don't get me wrong. But it's, it's, it's a journey where we do it as, as a community. And so we need to do that. Don't forget that if, if you want to um, find out more about the basics of Christian life, and especially because each church is different. And even if you've been to a church before and you're new to this one, it's a good idea to come along just to find out what... Uh, as C3, we believe how we actually enact our faith um, and sort of why we do the things we do, as Nathan said earlier. Um, so you're welcome to come along to that. Put your name down on the sign-up sheet uh, at the back there and uh, we'll uh, organise to show you those things on starting on was it Sunday the 18th. Yep. So have an absolutely awesome week. Don't forget to hang around for coffee. Uh, Denton and Loretta will be up here and will pray for your every need. Um, possibly cast out demons as well if you feel you need it after this morning. Um, and uh, so they'll be there for prayer. If you don't need that, then race up the back and grab yourself a coffee and a bun or a cake or something like that. Have a great day. <laughs>